Nas isn't relevant outside of his old fans. Uh, Nas and Hit Boy just released their new uh, King's Disease 3 album, but to hear 21 Savage tell it, it's all just a formality. During his heated clubhouse debate about rappers' longevity, 21 questioned Nas's relevancy uh, as a whole, in addition to why fans still dissected hip-hop music like it was an anatomy class. Because it's fucking poetry, bro. What The same reason why people tear apart poems. Uh, the Slaughter Gang rapper was also accused of ageism. Oh my god. Alright, well shut the fuck up. AKA an older MC similar to DJ Academics' recent controversy. Uh-oh. Nas is and always will be a legend. Yeah, fucking 21... Va- we'll see how long people are talking about you, fucking 21 Savage. We'll just see about that. Right? Like, how, how, how long are people going to be talking about fucking 21 Savage? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe as long as people are talking about Nas. I thought the same thing about... <laughs> well, okay. It's, in a, in a sense, okay? Because they even say... I listened to the Clubhouse conversation, and it's, it's interesting. Um, they even say because because they're like what what is relevancy what is what does it mean to be relevant and so i can see the point where you know they even say in the conversation no one under 30 woke up this morning and was like i gotta download that new nas nobody was like oh my god but there are a lot of people who love him he has a he has a fan base that is not you know is not going to go away he's always going to have an audience but is he mainstream are you going to hear him on the radio are you going to see him in uh, i i see what you did there he went from one nose to another nas ah that's fan base thank you just that's a no, he's not. He's not relevant. He just has a loyal yeah, right ass up. fan base. Thank you. He just has a loyal Thank fan you. base that that, and he still make good ass music. But they don't like, have a core fan relevant, base. Right? What, 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 nah, what y'all, Kids didn't what, wake up and download. What's y'all that definition of, of uh, relevant, bro? Not, not Closely connected or appropriate to what is being done or considered. The, I, don't, I don't know what what y'all consider relevant. So maybe I use the wrong Re- word. Relevant. Ain't nobody under thirty waking up checking for Nas. That's a fact. That means he's still relevant. Because if he wasn't relevant, that means would nobody be checking for this. That's for his core fans, my. But 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 it still means that ain't what I I didn't because I'm an idiot. So <laughs> thank you. Relevant means though, no, bro. That's not what no, no no no. That's not relevant means to you. Nigga, that's, that's not what relevant hit. means. Period. <laughs> Let's say I started rapping in 1995, and in 2022, I do a concert, and all my fans that were my fans in 1995 are there. Am I relevant, or do I just have a loyal fan? That's just a core fan base, bro. That's a core fan. Stop equating relevancy to age. That's ageism. Like that's still practicing ageism and shit. So is it relevant? Yeah. And and he still does that shit at a high level, regardless if it's just audio or if it's touring, if it's fucking documentary. I gotta stop. <laughs> it'd be cool because it'd be like discussions and shit. But in, in reality, though, it's like 
we got to stop trying to treat music like it has to be dissected and, oh, it needs to go this way. They really cut this up pretty good. They did a really good job cutting it up Um, because it's not this together. It's like a bunch of dudes yelling over each other. (laughs) But, um, yeah, there there is a point there to be made. It's like, you know, is he relevant to these kids these days? Well, I think... I think yes, because Nas was part of that golden age of hip-hop that really laid the foundation, that really took hip-hop to to the mainstream and, and made it pop music. Because right now, hip-hop is, is pop. That's It's pop. It's pop. So, like, th- th- it was like a... Uh, it was it went from this sort of uh, on the sidelines in its own groove, you know, uh, and then all of a sudden you have this new this New York move, movement and you have uh, the West Coast movement going. It's it, it really was these were the people who took it to the next level, and Twenty One Savage is just riding that wave. So yeah, he's relevant to Twenty One Savage. He's relevant to anybody who's doing hip hop right now who's trying to make a career out of it. I think if you showed pictures of both of these guys to random audience, people would recognize Nas over 21. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not the biggest fan of 21 Savage. I don't think his, I don't, I just, I don't really like his voice that much. So it's just how it goes. Uh, but, but yeah, I, this kind of pissed me off. And I feel like if he was going to say something like this, he did it in the most respectful way, I guess. But because he was like, you know, the music's good still. I couldn't tell you who is who. Nators, you don't like hip hop? How dare you? Hey, to do this, yeah, they need to do that. Because at the end of the day, when we get older, or even at our age now, when we go listen to old shit, we don't I'm listen for to knowledge. it because they did this or they st- Well, I'm spitting knowledge to you right now, Nators. If it wasn't for Nas, there would be a 21 Savage. I said it. What? I said it. What? I I said it. I said that Nas, if there wasn't a Nas, there wouldn't be a Twenty One Savage. What? The Twenty One Savage. What? The, the guy right there. What? Twenty One Savage. If there wasn't a Nas, Twenty One Savage. He's right there. Nas. If it wasn't for that. Okay. What? Yeah. Texas size ten four. <laughs> Life's a bitch. Then you die. <laughs> yeah, it can be like that sometimes, huh? Statistically, sold this or they dropped every week or they didn't drop every week we listen to it because we like it and it put us in a good mood bro like that's all it's for bro but you know why you know why we do this dissected though because from the jump because from the start of it though b it was like a science i'm saying the way they the way hip-hop all came together i'm saying it came together like on some on some like i'm saying we we did some shit that i don't know abnormal i'm saying so the way we created this shit it was always dissected within the way of yo yeah, that shit right there, hot. That shit not. So much. It wasn't always. It wasn't always nice. Everybody was dope. No, nah, everybody was, back then was not good. This what I'm saying. Though. Like, not that longevity shit. Name somebody else from back then that can drop an album right now. Yo, I just, I just said before. If you look at the people who was out in 1994, Jay Z and him is the only. Could do that. Oh, Snoop Dogg. Wait, what's fast? Snoop Dogg. 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 Snoop Dogg.
can drop one. They, they, they are gatekeepers, though. What y'all saying? Relevant, though. Fans. I don't feel like he's relevant. I just feel like no, he got no. They, none of them are relevant. Man, I don't feel like God is relevant. Since you rapping game, dropped the project, and that shit was ass. Just a bunch of dudes talking. Nas just dropped the project today. It's a great project. He did his thing. He's Nas, right? But Hov dropped a verse on God did. And the world went into a frenzy. The world of all ages. Your world went into a frenzy. Man, they been Your talking about Glorilla. Your world went into a frenzy. They been talking about Glorilla. That's crazy. That's a fact. Mike, one mic, one mic, one mic. I don't know how niggas better than Hold on, bro. I don't know how niggas want to grant me, B. They kept saying that. One mic, one mic. Trying to get everybody to like talk one at a time, but it didn't work very well. It was, it's mostly like blah, 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 blah. Clubhouse just seems like a clusterfuck to me. I I don't want anything to do with Clubhouse. Uh, 21 virtually shot down every example of Nas' relevancy during the argument, including his 2020 Grammy win. Uh, I doesn't think he... I think having ride or die fans who date back to his classic 1994 album, Elmat, counts as current day relevance. And I see his point. It's that there is a point to that, but to say he's not relevant to to hip hop music or, or or today's culture, I think is short sighted because he is like one of the fucking he's one of the gods, man. Uh, discussion tossed around several hip hop heavyweights such as Jay Z, Snoop Dogg, Scarface. <laughs> Too short. <laughs> Motherfucking shit. Goddamn asshole. Um, 21 is currently the Billboard 200 co leader thanks to his Drake collaborative, Her Loss, which probably explains why he's feeling so confident in conversations like this. Man, fuck that album too. I don't even like it. So there you go, guys. I just wanted to share that with y'all because I, I just, that got me fucking pissed off today for i wasn't like slamming shit or anything i was just like what a fucking little punk ass like what a punk ass to say that shit yeah i don't know man that that to me that that's just disrespectful you you always gotta respect the ones who came before you but you know that's part of being young too and and is sort of like rejection rejection of the old guard right that's part of growing up that's part of being young it, it the as you get older you start sort of i don't know for me i i see my fucking views sort of narrowing down a little more whereas like when i was young i was just like anything radical is amazing now it's like i just want to i just want to soak my feet and, and scroll through tiktok bro it's like i just I just want to sit at home i, I don't i don't want to go see your shows i don't i don't want to i don't want to go to no parties i don't want to go to yeah, I just want to. I just want to sit on my ass and work on what I want to work on and and, and chill. Like honestly. So let's get into this video here of Crazy Bone. All right. This may explain why in early 1991, I was invited to attend a closed door meeting with a small group of business was business insiders to discuss rap music's new direction. Hmm. Rap music's new direction. Yeah. Little did I know we would be asked to participate in one of the most unethical and destructive business practices ever seen. Crazy. So, 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 so this <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure who this dude is over here. <laughs> I do like his fucking ad libs. Crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, God damn it.
Never mind. All right. Yeah. 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 All right. Anyways, uh, let's move on. This was the meeting. The meeting was held at a private residence on the outskirts of Los Angeles. I remember about 25 to 30 people were 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 being there. Right. Most of them familiar faces. Speaking of those I knew, we joked about the theme of the meeting. As By the way, he also got an East Cleveland education, so don't fault a guy. He is reading off of a laptop. Busy Bone is always telling stories like this on his channel. He's fucking hilarious. I got I got I got to fucking I got to fuck with Busy Bone. Many of us did not care for rap and failed to see the purpose of being invited to a private meeting to the get to to discuss the future of hip-hop talk to him among the attendees <laughs> was a small group of unfamiliar faces who stayed to themselves and made no attempt to socialize beyond their circle based on their behavior and formal appearances they didn't seem to be from our industry our casual our casual chatter was interrupted when we were asked to sign the confidentiality agreement preventing us from publicly discussing the information presented during the meeting. Mm. Needless to say, this intrigued, in some cases, disturbed many of us. The agreement was only a page long, but very clear on matters and consequences which stated that violating the terms would result in job termination immediately. We asked several people what this meeting was about and the reason for such secrecy, but could not find anyone who had the answers for us. A few people re refused to sign and walked out. Nobody stopped them. I was tempted to follow, but but curiosity got the best of me. That's right. A man who was part of the unfamiliar group That's right. collected all the agreements from us. So now it's going to get to the good part because the meeting about to start. Talk to him, G. <laughs> Talk to him, G. Quickly after the meeting began. Hold on one second. Get your popcorn, y'all. <laughs> popcorn. He's like, pistol, no sweat. Real he just, he's just, he's <laughs> the hype man of this began, interview. One of the industry colleagues who shall remain nameless like everybody else thanked us for attending. He then gave the floor to a man who only introduced himself by first name and gave no other details about his personal background. Mm. I think he was the owner of the residence, but that was never confirmed. He briefly praised all of us for the success we had achieved in our industries and congratulated us for being selected as a part uh, as part of this small group of decision makers. Sketch. At this point, I began to feel slightly uncomfortable. I'm sure he did. It's like a non-disclosure, an NDA, and then fucking some dude who only introduces himself as his first name. And the strangeness of this gathering. The subject quickly changed as the speaker went on to tell us that the respective companies we represented had invested in a very profitable industry, which could become even more rewarding with our active involvement. Damn. He explained that the companies we worked for had invested millions into millions into the building of privately owned prisons and that our positions of influence in the music industry would actually impact the profitability of these investments. Hmm. Then he says, I remember hey there. Let's go back. Let's go back. This what did you say? <laughs> Crazy bone. Investments. In prisons and that our positions of influence in the music industry would actually impact the profitability of these investments. Mm -hmm. Then he says, I remember many of us in the group immediately looking at each other in awe. 
in confusion. At the same time, I didn't know what a private prison was, but I wasn't the only one. Sure enough, someone asked this, someone asked what these prisons were and what any of this had to do with music. <clears throat> we were told that these prisons were built by privately owned companies who received funding from the government based on the number of inmates. Mm -hmm. The more inmates, the more the mm -hmm. government would pay these prisons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was also made clear to us that since these prisons are privately owned, as they become publicly traded, we'd be able to buy shares. Most of us were taken back by this. Again, a couple of people asked what this had to do with us. At this point, my industry colleague who had first opened the meeting took the floor again and answered our questions. He told us that since our employees had become solid investors in this prison business, it was now in their interest to make sure that these prisons remain filled. Our job would be to help make this happen by making music which promotes criminal behavior, mm. rap being the music of choice. Mm. He assured us that this would be a great situation for us because rap music was becoming an increasingly profitable market for our companies. And as employees, we'd also be able to buy stocks in these prisons. I say, huh? <laughs> Could you imagine? Listen, we want to make you guys a lot of money. And all you got to do is just keep talking how you're talking. Maybe add in a little more bloodshed, maybe a little more robbery, because you also... By helping us, we want to help you. You also get a share in the profit from these private prisons that are locking up your fans who are inspired by your words to go out and be gangster. Mo murder, mo murder, mo murder. <laughs> Immediately, silence came over the room. Help us help you. <laughs> What the fuck's up with this video? It's pissing me off. You could have heard a pin drop. Hmm. I remember looking around to make sure I wasn't dreaming and saw half of the people with dropped jaws. My days was interrupted when someone shouted, is this a fucking joke? At this point, things became chaotic. Right. Two of the chaotic. men who were part of the unfamiliar group grabbed the man who shouted and, and attempted to remove him from the house. A few of us, myself included, tried to intervene. One of them pulled out a gun, pulled out a gun, and we all backed off. They separated us from the crowd, and all four of us were escorted outside. My industry colleague, who opened up the meeting earlier, hurried out to meet us and reminded us that we had signed an agreement and would suffer the consequences of speaking out about this publicly or even those who attended the meeting. Damn. I asked him, why was he involved with something so corrupt? And he replied, it's bigger than the music business and nothing we can do. And, oh, no, no, no. It's bigger than the music business and nothing we'd want to challenge without risking consequences. We all protested as, the, as they walked, as we walked back into the house. I remember word for word the last thing he said. It's out of my hands now. Just remember, you signed an agreement. He then closed the door behind him. The men rushed us to our car and actually waited until we drove off the property. Damn. So, so uh, this meeting, bro. Now, that's a lot for a meeting right there. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, and this person later on, he said, you know, this person actually ended up leaving the music industry after this happened. Well, a, a few years after this, he ended up leaving the music industry. Okay. And um, he'd say he just like, you know, over the years, he just he just felt guilty because he said as he sat back and he watched these plans come into play, come to a reality over two decades, he sat back and was like, wow, they really pulled it off. Yeah, they really pulled this off. He was like, they were told not to sign any more political rappers. Any any more rappers that had messes in their no music, positivity. It was all to be gangster rap music that they promoted 
and 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 put out. So if you wonder where Brand Nubians went, if you wonder where Brand Nubians went, where Poor Righteous Teachers went, where Public Enemy went, where KRS One went, and all sorts of groups like that that was talking, yeah. about, even Queen Latifah and Moni Love and those, you know, everybody. What I'm it, 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 it's a back door. Yeah, anything that was harmless, fun rap, you know, anything that had a message in it had to go. Yeah, that's you why you, if you even notice, though, now you, we talk about that all the time. Even be brief with it, you know what I'm saying? And when you look at the history of hip hop, right, and where it came from, you, you know, like Bismarck Key, Public Enemy, all these, you know, all these people, it was dancing, it was never about fighting or murder. It's about partying, having fun. I mean, Public Enemy obviously was was trying to uplift the community, telling the stories from the streets. And then you have people like Eazy E and the West Coast Movement, um, and talking. And again, because we went over this last time, right? Like, how much influence does hip hop have uh, on the culture? And 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 does it lead to more violence? Does it? Does it? Does it, does it? Do these words lead to violence within the black community, the Latino community, the Latinx community? I'll never say Latinx. I was just saying that to make fun of it. Uh, in the Latino com- community, because this is where it came from. You know, this came from New York with South Bronx, Harlem. You know, the Latino and black community were were on the side of the streets doing these rap battles and stuff. So, I mean, it's like it morphed. And there was a huge sea change from from this this uh, you know Queen Latifah even you know like from this like positive party music to a very dark place. Which, by the way, I'm a huge fan of Dr. Dre and Easy E and fucking Biggie and Tupac. All that gangster shit is the shit. Okay, not talking shit on this, but it's it's a very it's a very interesting subject, right? And so. I, I saw this interview and I was like, what the fuck? This is crazy. And then I started digging into it and uh, NPR, leave it to NPR. They actually did a, a whole series about this. Uh, I don't even think they bring up this. I know, actu- uh, I know actual gangsters and even if hip hop didn't exist, I'm sure they'd still ended up doing what they're doing and shit. Yeah, obviously, obviously. But then you have other people who, uh, this is, listen, I... My sister dated a fucking a thug, a, a thug, and he the music that we were bumping was fucking gin and juice and the chronic and all that shit. He had his stereos, he was selling weed, he, he thought he was big and bad, and fucking when we used to roll with him, it would be fucking he would be listening to gangster rap. This was the music people are going on drive-bys to, okay? This is I mean, when you I've been in enough situations to know what kind of music goes down and it gets ratchet, it gets violent and, and people, uh, connect with that. I mean, even as a kid, as young teens, I would, uh, with young angst, you know, listening to, you know, Marilyn Manson and Pantera and metal music and hip hop, that shit got me fucking Gene and Jim rolling down the street, smoking and oh, sipping on Gene and Juice, laid back with my mind on my memes and my money on my memes. Okay, I don't know. Um, yeah, that's what I'm listening to on the bus, uh, bopping my <laughs> dude. That shit is dope, though. It's good music. Uh, ultra violent, ultra violent. Um, so we'll, we'll. 
we'll read a little bit of this. This is actually a podcast series, which I want to listen to this, honestly. This looks really fascinating. But now the story of hip-hop ascent from makeshift turn-up music slapped together by poor black and Latino kids in the South Bronx party to the dominant musical idiom of young people around the world is pretty well known. But less attention has been paid to how hip-hop continues to be shaped by another American phenomenon, the explosion of the incarcer- uh, of the carceral, carceral state? The connection is what Cindy Madden and Rodney Carmichael, our colleagues and play cousins uh, at NPR, set out to answer in a brand new podcast, Louder Than a Riot. Uh, it's a show about race, music, criminal justice, and the tale of a wild conspiracy theory. This week, uh, um, so over the past 40 years, the nation's prison population has exploded and we've seen a ratcheting up of policing. Coincidentally, hip-hop was born in the late 70s, so these two things were overlapping phenomenon. So how has mass incarceration shaped hip-hop? Carmichael, when you think about it from a pop culture standpoint, hip-hop was definitely before everything else in terms of commenting on and critiquing the criminal justice system and black America's relationship to it. Uh, I love how you said the two phenomena in America because these are strictly American-born and bred uh, pieces of societal ethos. The thing that we're trying to really spell out in our show is that these phenomena are not disparate. Uh, They intersect and intermingle a lot more than people think they do. As you said, hip-hop was being birthed in the late 70s with Cool Herc and Sidney Campbell and the back-to-school parties, laying the foundation and blueprint of the counterculture moving to the center of becoming a pop culture. Uh, That happened literally at the same time as America was constructing uh, what we now know as the prison industrial complex. It was physically building more private prisons. It was also psychologically calcifying and certifying what a criminal in America is and doing that by working off the building blocks of the legacy of slavery in this country. So with all those things like marinating in the soup, There's so much to debate and unpack about it. What does a rapper look like? What is considered political rap? Who is allowed to have a voice in hip hop? And we'll sort of we'll sort of end it there with this. So that's sort of setting up this idea, right? That that there is there's a whole business behind this, and there's a you know when you look a little bit deeper into the whole situation, I found it very interesting. On how how much these industries are connected, and uh, yeah, no worries, Bonbon. Bon. Uh, so I started looking into it, right? And what's interesting is is that there's a company called BlackRock and Vanguard who um, who are the biggest. Investors in private prison. Oh, and look at that sweet angel there. <laughs> she has to be on pills. Like, this this, this criminal right here is a fucking drug addict. Uh, prison operators have been thrust into the spotlight recently since many of them run a controversial immigrant detention centers near the U.S. border. What does this have to do with it? Uh, two of these companies, Quark, Civic, and Geo Group, are publicly traded, so many may hold them in an index fund or EFT, ETF as part of their portfolio retirement account. Vanguard and iShares, owner of BlackRock, are two of the largest holders of this core Civic and Geo. Uh, 
So they're talking about the prisons down south, but they are also involved in the prisons all around the country. So BlackRock and Vanguard, if you guys don't know, they're also part of the WEF. Funnily enough, funnily, interestingly enough, they're part of the World Economic Forum, which we all know about the Great Reset. (laughs) Um, So these guys have sort of a stranglehold on the prison industrial complex. They're making lots of money off of it, right? And then funnily, funnily, interestingly enough... Warner Music and BlackRock are investing $750 million in female and diverse artists. What is diverse artists? I wonder what that means. Lately, white male arena rock artists have really been cashing in on their back catalogs as they approach retirement age. But in a surprising pivot, Warner Music Group at the third largest record label has partnered with BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager, on a new $750 million fund that will promote specifically female and diverse musicians. Mighty, mighty, thank you so much for that. Let me get you some love. Mighty, mighty. Oh my God, what happened? Okay, hold on. Mighty, mighty. Hello, mighty, mighty. This is Jean-Claude Van Damme. And I want to give you a huge thank you, a big old splits, and a <laughs> as a thank you for all that you do for this channel. Thank you, Mighty. Thank you, Robbie, for, for giving Mighty some love. So it's interesting, right, that BlackRock and Vanguard, uh, which you always find those two names right next to each other, are both investors in music. They're both investors in prisons. Now, that got me thinking even further, right? So if they have this strange, so it's sort of this crazy scheme that sort of feeds itself where you, you're turning out rappers, you're only promoting music, uh, uh, that, that that's violent and you're promoting it to, uh, you know, these underserved communities where people feel desperate enough to commit crimes to get by because as a country and, and our leaders have failed us, failed them and us. I mean, I come from that shit too. Um, it, it failed us on all economic spectrums, our crumbling schools, uh, we just, it, you know, crumbling neighborhoods. It, it, it's become um, very obvious that we've just sort of abandoned these neighborhoods. South Chicago. And so you got this music that's being produced and marketed to the people that you want in your prison system. You want, and, and again, the people who mostly are in prison right now are black and brown people, Latinos and black folks. Um, and we all can agree that the industrial prison complex has become a slave mill, right? And so, what do what? It gets so much grosser than this. So you got to think that Vanguard and and BlackRock are investing in music. They're investing in prisons. What else do they invest in? How else can they make money off of this? They're making money off the music. They're making money off the the fans who who promote the music for them. Who also uh, get themselves in trouble. End up in the prison system that they invested in, making more money. And these government-subsidized prisons off of our government and our tax dollars just stealing money. But also, so we also have a very interesting... So 
here are some major corporations that benefit from the prison industrial complex. Prison labor in the United States is referred to as insourcing under the Work Opportunity Tax Credit. Employers receive a tax credit of $2,400 for every work release inmate they employ as a reward for hiring risky target groups. The workers are not only cheap labor, but they are considered easier to control. They also tend to be African-American males. Uh, companies are free to avoid providing benefits like health insurance or sick days. They also don't need to worry about unions, demands for vacation time, raises, or family issues because they're in prison and their family has been destroyed. Uh, according to the Left Business Observer, uh, the federal prison industry produces 100% of all military helmets, war supplies, and other equipment. The workers supply 98% of the entire market. Uh, for equipment, assemblies, services, 93% of paints and paintbrushes, headphones, microphones, speakers, 21% of office furniture, airplane parts, medical supplies. Prisoners are even raising uh, seeing eye dogs for blind people. Now, I wonder how much BlackRock and Vanguard is invested in, I don't know, the war machine? I wonder how much, let's see, let's see. Um, BlackRock Invest Weapons. Let's see if they have a weapon. They have uh, BlackRock Equity, a military weapon grade fund invested in major military contractors and or nuclear weapons above the threshold of 3% fund is invested in cluster muni okay, munitions and manufacturers. So, yeah. Does BlackRock invest in war? Yeah, the world's largest investor in weapons of war and climate chaos. Really interesting. But it gets more. We got more. There's more going on. McDonald's. McDonald's uses inmates to produce frozen foods. Inmates process beef for patties. They may also pr process bread, milk, chicken products. Also, I wonder how much they're invested in the healthcare system. Let let's just take a look, shall we? Black Rock Healthcare. Oh, yeah. Let's just see what comes up. Black Health Sciences. They, they're traded publicly. So there you go. Healthcare. They also make healthcare uh, uh, equipment. Um, and then also... How about McDonald's? Does BlackRock invest in McDonald's as well? Because McDonald's uses them to package their flash frozen meat, if you can call it meat. Uh, oh, wait. I think I already pulled this one up. Um, well, I guess I didn't. So BlackRock. Let's see. Invest in McDonald's. Oh boy, look at that. Five, 52, almost 53 million shares of McDonald's Corp they own. Hmm, what about the next thing? Wendy's. Does Wendy's, uh, does BlackRock have investments in Wendy's? I bet they do. To the point where farm, Zippy, what's up? Welcome in. Farm workers set up pressure on Wendy's shareholders to protect workers' rights. So, 
not only Wendy's is out there, you know, screwing people over, but they're also owned by black. Hold on. Let me see. Let me just find this. So BlackRock is the largest monetary manager in the world, oversees $7.4 trillion in assets. Black, uh, recent BlackRock's readership, sustainable corporate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, here we go. So BlackRock, here we go. BlackRock's big investment in Wendy's. BlackRock is the third largest shareholder in Wendy's. So again, what are we talking about deep state again? Kind of because I feel like deep state is just owned by corporations anyway. So BlackRock, we're talking about how Crazy Bone from uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony did an interview where he talked about this really weird private meeting where he had to sign a non-disclosure agreement where they were talking about they're talking to some business guy who was like, we want you guys to make more violent music because that violent music feeds our, our investments in private prisons. And private prisons here in America are funded by, in, uh, in part, are subsidized by the government and they get paid per prisoner. So they wanted these rappers, Crazy Bone, to rap about more violence so they can fill their prisons up. And so when you look into it a little bit further you start seeing who owns these places. And what we finding are is BlackRock owns the music industry. BlackRock owns the industrial prison complex. They, they own a lot of the war machine that's going on. And all of these things are being made and produced by prisoners. Prisoners, including stuff for Wendy's, including stuff for McDonald's, which they are big investors in, as we can see here. Uh, next is Walmart. <laughs> who wants to guess? Who wants to bet that BlackRock also has shares in Walmart? BlackRock ownership in Walmart. Blah, there it is. Ninety-three, almost ninety-four million shares in Walmart. And what do prisoners make in Walmart? See, the company uses inmates for manufacturing purposes. The company hires inmates to clean products of UPC barcodes so that products can be resold. Snoop just did some deal with Walmart. Yeah, well, I'm sure they're all, I mean, you got to get paid. And I'm sure he's not trying to uh, support a company that literally is making money off of all this. BlackRock Health, the money that, that people are spending because of the poor choices, like eating crappy McDonald's every day is getting people big and fat over here. They end up with diabetes and heart disease, and then they have to go to the hospital. And who's making money off of all of that? They have literally capitalized off of slave labor and in part are using fucking rap as a way to get more customers and more slaves, uh, basically. It's just another angle and it goes so much further and deeper than that. It's like they fucking, I, it's crazy. It's fucking crazy. And then I wonder how much BlackRock has invested in Joe Biden. I wonder how much BlackRock has invested in Nancy Pelosi. You know, like it doesn't stop there. It just keeps going. And so who is actually owning, like who runs what, like this is, to me, this is fucking wild.
Sprint. I'm sure they own a piece of Victoria's Secret. They definitely own a piece of Victoria's Secret. Look, where is it? This is a um, this is a Victoria's Secret Vanguard. Oh, this is Vanguard. So back BlackRock and Vanguard. Uh, their passive income. This is some stock options. WHO indeed. Yeah, and WHO. BlackRock and the WHO. Fact check, video claiming BlackRock and Vanguard own the, w, own the biggest corporations in the world is missing context. Get the fuck. See, and then you got these assholes who are doing fact checks, and I wonder who owns the fact checkers. Who owns Reuters? Let's see. BlackRock and uh, invest in media. How a company called BlackRock shapes your news. <laughs> The, the first fucking thing, the first thing, Warner and BlackRock, and yeah, okay, we know that, they invested in music and media, yeah, they own the media too, it's, uh, it, they own the people who are, you know who else owns these news corporations, fucking, uh, 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 uh fucking, what's the, what are those war produ they produce weapons uh boeing owns some news organizations blackrock probably owns boeing uh what what's the other one? Oh god i can't remember all this none of my thoughts are my own they're all pre-programmed there you go i'm surprised that stuff is even on the first page of google <laughs> exactly considering that google deliberately hides stuff yeah i wonder how much blackrock is invested in google BlackRock has filed Securities Exchange Commission disclosing ownership 20, 20, 20.5 million shares of Alphabet Inc. Up and up and down the rabbit hole we go. So you got this company who's literally just, it's like this fucking echo loop, this echo chamber uh, or this, this fucking loop where they just, they're, creating the situation and they they're creating the 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 solution and they're and overall it's just destroying everybody and 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 i and i guarantee that their investment in rap and and wanting these rappers to rap more violently i guarantee that there is a fucking that that that's a very small part of their investments yeah independent news is where you gotta go there's no going to fox there's no going to CNN. It's like there are things you can go and look there, but there, it, it's not anything that's ever, you know, it's never going to be them speaking to power. It's always going to be them cupping the balls of power, you know, and sometimes a story gets out that just gets so big that they can't ignore it. Like this Hunter Biden story with his laptop. There's just no getting, there's no silencing that story. It's out. They silenced it. And most people think it's Russian propaganda, even though super liberal left newspaper, the New York Times, printed a story confirming that it was true. So, and, and I wonder how much BlackRock involved. Hold on, let's see. How much does BlackRock invest in the New York Times? I, I want to know. Let's see if they do it all. 
Oh, they shut down Google on me. <laughs> the world's largest manager fired off a letter to the Attorney General of 19 states rebutting claims of the position. Okay, BlackRock seeks to defend its reputation with over ESG, which is ridiculous, too. Uh, so this is all. As they should. They are like this. This guy has hit his limit of Google. <laughs> exactly. Like, listen, dude, we know what you're doing over here. Uh, Larry Fink, investment firm. So I don't know if they actually own it. Okay, BlackRocking ownership in New York Times. <laughs> okay, look, they own 13, almost 14 million shares in the New York Times. So there you go. They just own everything. And you can't tell me that there's not people who are sitting on boards. There's not business strategists. There's not people running numbers, running statistics. They're, they're using fucking, they're using psychiatrists. They're using psychologists to understand their products and the people they sell to. They're using so much research. They know what's going on. And I understand it's a big company and there's a lot of moving pieces, but yes. And and Alex Jones, the global I love that globalist has become a term that's so common now. It's so common to hear the word globalist. And when at one point there was it was Alex Jones just yelling, It's the globalists are turning the frogs gay. You know, it's and then now it's like this is it. That is what it is. So wait a second. BlackRock and the WHO. Let's see how they're invested together. It's like, you'll get fact-checked, but the fact-checkers are owned by the fucking people that they're writing about. Uh, BlackRock, one of the world's leaders, provides... Okay. Um, let's see. What's the WHO? Where is it? I know that they have to have something. Something. Look, BlackRock Vanguard comes right up. Right up. Okay, this is better. All the people who told you that you're going to stop the spread if you get the shot at the WHO, even though they knew before the medication was released that it wasn't going to stop the spread. BlackRock, um... Uh, the fund invests globally, medical, B, what's BGF? BlackRock. Okay, so BlackRock World Health Science Fund. They probably fund the WHO. Mm, contributors. Who does BlackRock own shares in? What is BlackRock Health? What products does BlackRock make? All right, so I'm not seeing anything in there about the WHO, but, you know, it, well, it's funny, you know, because, like, when we're looking at companies like Pfizer, who literally own shares or whatever in the CDC, what, what they fund the CDC. These are funders. Who does number two work for? Who's number two? I don't know who number two is. 
I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> so yeah, um, I'm I'm really interested in uh, this podcast. So I'm gonna definitely listen to this. Uh, uh, it's from Austin Powers. Oh, okay. I don't even remember that reference. That's how fucking out I am of the whole. So if you guys want to listen to this podcast too, go ahead. I dropped the link in the chat so you guys can check it out if you want. But uh, I don't know, man. This this whole crazy bone thing, it just got me really digging. And I, I just, it, it blows my fucking mind how deep this shit goes. And, and I know, and again, it's a big company. They do a lot of investments in different things, but they definitely are very strategic with their money. They, it would, they would be fools not to be strategic with their money. Oh, no worries. No worries. It's all good, Zippy Zipper. I understand. You got Work is work. You got to work. I'm not mad at you. Not mad at you. So, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think that it, I'm just looking too far into this? Or do you think there's something to it? I, I don't know. I don't fucking know, man. This this is a... It kind of blows my mind a little. But, you know, it's just a working theory. A conspiracy theory. Hey, guys, we finally did a music conspiracy. I'm... <laughs> We've been, I know we've been on this Kanye thing for a while, but uh, I, uh, we've been wanting to do, yeah, it's wild and it's widespread and it's it, not widespread, but it, it's kind of an obtuse observation, I would say, because it's just so open-ended, you know, with BlackRock and, and even in my head, you know, BlackRock, again, is this huge company. They're the largest investment firm in the world. So of course they got their, they got irons and many fires. But I, I could see in a boardroom, in a small room somewhere, making these huge decisions. It's kind of insane until you start following the trail. It's all good. I appreciate you. I know it's an odd time for you. Um, yeah. So, whatever. <laughs> I still love gangster rap. I don't give a fuck. <laughs>